Of the Vedic scriptures. In the process of the Vedic scriptures. Pratitaha. Recognize. Saha. Who? Eva. In fact. Te. Your. Tanayam. Daughter. Nahajieta. Would not adore. Svaya. By her own. Eva. Alone. Antya, bodily luster, Shipatim, excelling, Eva, as if, Shriyam, ornaments. Translation and purport by His Divine Grace, H.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Shivapalakal. Jaipur. It's still a broken. Yeah, it's the best we can. It's hard to hear. A little hard to hear. Oh, it'll break it worse. Okay. Let your daughter's desire for marriage, which is recognized in the Vedic scriptures, be fulfilled. Who would not accept her hand? She is so beautiful but that by her bodily luster alone she excels the beauty of her ornaments. So this is Kardam Muni receiving Devahuti, the daughter of Svayambhuvmanu, and uh, his wife. So please repeat. Let your daughter's desire for marriage, which is recognized in the Vedic scriptures, be fulfilled. Who would not accept her hand? She is so beautiful that by her bodily luster alone she excels the beauty of her ornaments. Kardam Muni wanted to marry Devahuti in the recognized manner of marriage prescribed in the scriptures. As stated in the Vedic scriptures, the first class process is to call the bridegroom to the home of the bride and hand her to him in charity with a dowry of necessary ornaments, gold, furniture, and other household paraphernalia. This form of marriage is prevalent among higher class Hindus even today and is declared in the Shastras to confer great religious merit on the bride's father. To give a daughter in charity to a suitable son-in-law is considered to be one of the pious activities of a householder. There are eight forms of marriage mentioned in the scripture Manusmriti, but only one process of marriage, Brahma or Rajasika marriage, is now current. Other kinds of marriage by love, by exchange of garlands, or by kidnapping the bride are now forbidden in this Kali age. Formerly, Chatriyas would, at their pleasure, kidnap a princess from another royal house, and there would be a fight between the Chatriya and the girl's family. Then, if the kidnapper was the winner, the girl would be offered to him for marriage. Even Krishna married Rukmini by that process, and some of his sons and grandsons also married by kidnapping. Krishna's grandsons kidnapped Duryodhana's daughter, which caused a fight between the Kuru and Yadu families. 
Afterward, an adjustment was made by the elderly members of the Kuru family. Such marriages were occurred in bygone ages, but at the present moment they are impossible because the strict principles of Chakshriya life have practically been abolished. Since India has become dependent on foreign countries, the particular influences of her social orders have been lost. Now, according to the scriptures, everyone is a sudra. The so-called brahmanas, chatriyas, and vaishyas have forgotten their traditional activities, and in the absence of these activities, they are called sudras. It is said in the scriptures, Kalo Sudra Sambhava. In the age of Kali, everyone will be like sudras. The traditional social customs are not followed in this age, although formerly they were followed strictly. Jai Sudra. Om Ajnana Tamirantasya Gnanjana Sudakaya Takshur Unmilitamina Tasmai Sri Gurudevena Maha. I was born in the darkness of ignorance, and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torchlight of knowledge. I offered my humble obeisances unto him. Vancha Kapa Trubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhyevacha Patita Nam Bhavani Vyo Vaishnavi Vyo Namonamaha. I offer my respectful obeisances unto all the Vaishnav devotees of the Lord, who are just like desire trees and who can fulfill the desires of everyone and are full of compassion for the fallen souls. Namaste Jivanandaya Dasaya Vanacharine Prabhupada Lavaya Sliga Shila Vinodine Agyana Dvantigramanam Paschate Patitabhanam Jnana Guru Taya Chita Harine Chakshashinama I offer my respectful obeisances unto my spiritual master, His Grace Jivananda Das Vanacharine. He is uh, very dear to Srila Prabhupada and he is kindly Delivering the fallen souls in the Western world, tipping the scale of ignorance to the weight of knowledge. Namo Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya today, Sri Mati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namini, Namaste Sarasvati Devi Gauravani Bhattarini, Nirvishishya Srinivani Paschatarasapani. Jaya Sri Krishna Jaitanya Prabhunityananda Sri Advaita Gadadha, Sri Vasadi Gauravata Vrinda, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Kama Sabuyam Naradevate Shaha, Pushya Samanaya Vido Pratitaha, Kaeva Tetanayam Najayeta, Svayayeva Kantya Shipatim Nivashriyam. Let your daughter's desire for marriage which is recognized in the Vedic scriptures to be fulfilled. Who would not accept her hand? She is so beautiful that by her bodily luster alone, she can excel the beauty of her ornaments. So Prabhupada, he brings out many uh, statements and points here in the report. And uh, he specifically focuses on the fact that the one type of marriage that is prevalent in Kali Yuga is the Brahma or Rajasika. And that's where the father brings um, his daughter to a suitable candidate and offers his daughter to that person along with a dowry, um, including gifts. And if we think about it in, in a practical sense, uh, the father is the one who, who cares uh, mostly for the well-being of the daughter. 
uh, the father uh, is responsible for her protection. Um, and if somebody has something that's very valuable, then they naturally want to protect it. So in terms of uh, children, um, what's more valuable to a parent than their child? Hey, welcome. Hare Krishna. And so in this case, uh, you know, sometimes the sons, they may be a little bit more uh, robust and can find their way in the world. But this arrangement by the father for the daughter is extremely significant. Um, and so this is the best way. This Brahma or Rajasika marriage system is the best way. And it's the way in which um, uh, families can, can grow and prosper in society and uh, have a functional home, therefore, thereby creating a functional and healthy society. Because um, to protect uh, one's daughter means to, the only way to give up that protection is to give that daughter to somebody else who will protect her. Right? So if we're protecting someone, we can't whimsically give up that protection. We have to entrust her to somebody who will protect her. So in this case, um, what was described in detail is Kardam Muni's qualities. Swami Bhuvamani was glorifying the, the qualities of Swami Bhuvamani, his fixed determination and, and devotional service to Krishna, um, his uh, controlling of the senses, controlling of the mind and the senses, his ability to um, sit on the bank of the Ganges and engage in meditation for a long period of time. And because the first step and being a decent person, a decent human being and citizen is controlling the senses. This was the first qualification. Actually, the essence of, of good character is being a devotee of Krishna. And from being a devotee of Krishna, all good qualities come. So, Vishayavani Bhartante Niraharasya Dehinam Rasavarganasabhyasya Kram Jastvanivartate. That giving up sense enjoyment in its entire entirety comes through a higher taste. Param Drishtva Nivartate. Tasting spiritual life. And so because Kardamuni was a great devotee, then he could give up his sense enjoyment of this world, his attachments to this world, focus on Krishna consciousness, on God consciousness. In this way, the essence was the qualification of Kardamuni and the qualification of Devabhuti. This was the essence that was spoken about. Now in this particular verse, Kardamuni is responding in a way of social and cultural etiquette as uh, Devahuti is being delivered to him, is being entrusted to him. Uh, if, if your wife is coming, you might want to tell her she's beautiful. <laughs> so that was the case here. So he's saying, Who would not accept her hand? She is so beautiful that by her bodily luster alone she excels the beauty of her ornaments. This is a proper. If Kardam Muni is her husband, going to be her husband. So he's, he's properly uh, receiving them. First, he's glorifying uh, the proper 
Chaitriya position and uh, execution of Swami Bhuvamani. And he is behaving in a proper Chaitriya, upholding the principles of Dharma through his power, through his leadership. And then he's properly receiving his wife. You see, there's sweet words. There's sweet words. Uh, Krishna Bhagavad Gita speaks about austerity of speech. Speak those things which are truthful, pleasing, beneficial, not agitating to others, and regularly reciting Vedic literatures. And we see throughout um, the scriptures different examples of receiving a guest and speaking sweet words. And we also see examples where this is not done. Uh, one particular example is when uh, Maharaj Parishit, when he was, uh, because the Chatriya, to hone their military skills, they would hunt. Now, the general people are advised not to kill. Killings against, generally against Dharmic principles. Um, Ahimsa or nonviolence is important. It's, it's actually uh, nonviolence is one of the pillars of spiritual life. There's four pillars of spiritual life. Austerity, cleanliness, uh, truthfulness, and mercy. So mercy is destroyed by meat-eating, by unnecessarily necessarily violence, killing innocent animals. But in the case of a chatriya, they would, they would go and hunt wild animals in the forest to hone their military skills so that they could defeat enemies who are going to disturb the innocent people of the country. This is the primary duty of a chatriya, is to be the arms of God, the arms and legs of God, to uh, destroy uh, demonic elements of society that would threaten the women, the children, the elderly, and the priestly class. Because for a proper leader means protection. You had something, Chris? Ah, uh, it's okay. I was just going to say, isn't it also true that they they hunted in the forest to remove like predatory animals for the brahmins who were practicing yoga in the forest? Yeah, that's that's also one reason. That's true. Thank you. Um, and so Mara's preached He was very hungry and thirsty after um, engaging in honey practice, and he came to the uh, the hut of Shamika Rishi. Samika Rishi was in deep meditation. And according to the uh, Vedic um, uh, Varnashram Dharma, the, the, the Varna of a Brahmana is higher than a Chatriya. So in this case, uh, the, the Brahmana was Samika Rishi, and he was meditating in his hut. And Maharaj Krishna came and he was hungry and thirsty. And Shamika Rishi was in such deep meditation that he didn't even notice Maharaj Bhikshu coming. Now, the proper way of receiving a guest is said in the Vedas that a guest is supposed to be received like God. And I hope that we are receiving you all properly. It's kind of difficult to receive God. <laughs> we do the best we can. But a guest is supposed to be treated like God. So he was ignored. But not on purpose, so because Shamikarishi was in Samadhi, meditating on spiritual life. So Maharaj Pisha was upset, and in this particular um, 
verse of, of Srimad Bhagavatam is described that he felt unwelcomed because he wasn't offered water, he wasn't offered a sitting place, and he wasn't offered a sweet words. So in this way, uh, the king was uh, upset and he put a dead snake around the neck of Shamakarishi. And later, because of this uh, very minor offense, he was cursed by Shringi, and then he was cursed to die in seven days. And that's how Srimad Bhagavatam was spoken by Sukadeva Goswami. So, uh, Samikarishi regretted this, that this has happened. He said, oh, this is a very minor offense. Why did you curse him? This is the protector of Dharma. Great King Maharaj preached This is no, I didn't, this is no offense. You shouldn't have done that. He chastised his son. That's all. But we can see here what's going on with Kardam Muni when he's receiving his wife, Devahuti, is a social Vaishnav etiquette, according to Dharmic principles. Vaishnav etiquette is so important. As Sri Jaitanya Mahaprabhu said, Vaishnav etiquette is the ornament on a devotee. Now, if you think about it, the essence of uh, being a person is uh, and engaging in the world is our body. They have body, right? But still, being culture, we don't go outside naked. We don't go out and do our business naked. We put clothes on. We put dress on. We take a shower. We... So like that, the essence of spiritual life is giving one's heart to Krishna. The seed of devotion is planted in our heart, and in our heart we give ourselves to Krishna through the spiritual master. That's the essence. That's like the body. But the dress or the ornaments is the Vaishnava etiquette. It's a social etiquette. And this is emphasized, actually, as we refine our, our surrender to Krishna, our devotional service, we develop Vaishnava culture and etiquette. And that's very important. Because one of the godly qualities that Krishna speaks of in Bhagavad Gita, he says, a person who is godly, that person is someone whom no one is put into difficulty. No one is put into anxiety. That's one of the godly qualities. On the other hand, a demonic quality is that person who creates unrest, who creates undue anxiety for people, who's expert in criticizing others. That's a demonic quality. So on the other hand, the saintly qualities, divine qualities, speaking words are truthful, pleasing, beneficial, non-agitating to others, regularly reciting Vedic literatures. And so, we see that um, throughout the Chaitanya Charitamrita, uh, there's examples of Vaishnava etiquette. And this one particular example, uh, Sanatana Goswami, because superficially these different devotees, associates of Lord Chaitanya, they're engaged in different varnas and ashrams, and they came from different backgrounds within that pastime, within that era. But, as we know, they were all actually eternally associates of Lord Chaitanya, eternal associates of Krishna. So Sanatana Goswami superficially came from a Muslim background, serving meat eaters in the government who sang shops of one of the Muslim leaders. So he felt himself to be contaminated because of his past. 
Although this was all there to bring out the mercy, compassion, and uh, mag- magnanimity of, of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So one time in Jagannath Puri, the Lord called Sanatana Goswami to see him. Because the love that Sanatana Goswami had for Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was extremely joyful at this invitation. So immediately he started coming. Now at this point, Sanatana Goswami, he had some uh, boils on his body. And, and they were oozing, you know, whatever, pus or whatever, these boils. So, but at this particular point, um, not thinking about his own distress, he immediately started towards, uh, towards the temple of Jagannath to see Lord Chaitanya. And he went along the beach. Now at this, at this time, it was extremely hot, and stepping on the beach uh, gave blisters to his feet. So the Lord, when he came, uh, the Lord was taking rest when he came, and his servant Govinda offered Sanat Goswami the remnants taken by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So uh, Sanat Goswami was absorbed in the ecstasy of meeting his Lord. And the Lord, uh, when, he, when he got up from rest, he embraced, the, he, he welcomed Sanat Goswami. And he said, which way did you come? He said, oh, I came from the beach, from that path. He said, oh, it was very hot. Your, your feet must be full of blisters. He said, oh, Lord, I, I did not notice. I did not notice that whatsoever. And the Lord said, well, why didn't you go by the Shimadvara gate, on the east side of the temple of Jagannath Mandir? Why did you not go on that side? It's very cool there. You could have walked in front in that way. And, and Sanat Goswami, he said, well, actually, the, uh, the Pujaris, the, the servants of the Lord Jagannath, they're coming out this way, and if they came out this way, then I would have touched them and, and contaminated them. Because he was thinking himself very humble. Again, he was, in his past, he was serving the Muslim government. He was thinking himself contaminated. This is a very subtle point of etiquette. But the point was, is that he didn't want to touch the servants of Lord Jagannath coming out of the temple, the priests, because then they wouldn't be fit to go on the altar of Lord Jagannath. Now this particular pastime um, gives evidence to the fact of how important Vaishnava etiquette is because of the Lord's response. The Lord's response to uh, Sanat Goswami was, uh, he said, actually, you are the savior of the whole world through your devotion and dedication to Krishna. Yet, you have observed this Vaishnav etiquette, which is the ornament on devotees. And uh, he embraced, he embraced Sanat Goswami. He said, you have pleased me, you have satisfied my mind by, by carrying out this Vaishnav etiquette. And I'm very thankful to you for this. So we can see here in this particular pastime, and actually throughout the Jaitanya Charitamrita, how the devotees engage in service to the Lord, and how important actually the culture and etiquette of devotional service are. Very important. Extremely important. Sometimes there's been some movements within ISKCON that try to dismiss um, the culture, the, the Vaishnava culture. But Necessarily, as, as we deepen our desire to please 
Krishna, we enter into his culture. We, we, we find out how he wants society to behave, how he wants social interaction to come together. And, and we try to fulfill that. It's very detailed, it's very difficult to do everything, we can't do everything, but we always try. We always try to uh, engage in such a way where Krishna's culture is recognized, and his etiquette is recognized. And we can see these subtleties throughout the Bhagavatam. That's what's going on in this verse here. It's a subtlety. First, Kardam Muni is glorifying Swamiji. And then he's welcoming his wife with sweet words. Vaishnava etiquette. It's proper etiquette. And so, going back to um, the topic of marriages, Prabhupada said this one marriage is fitting for Kali Yuga. And that's where. The father entrusts his daughter to a, a suitable candidate. And uh, we can take that as significant as, as parents, uh, many parents within you know, the movement, of uh, what it means to be a parent. It means to protect one's children and then to entrust them to somebody else who will then protect them. It's really important. Because in Kali Yuga, all the other forms of marriage um, are not acceptable. So I'd like to briefly, just so we know, because it's interesting, this is from the Manu, Manu Smriti, as Prabhupada says. Um, but these are the eight kind of marriages that Prabhupada is referring to in this particular section. So the, one, the first one is the one we just spoke about. It's called Brahma Vivaha. So according to Dharma, Yogya Vadu Varu Vivaha is termed as Brahma, Brahma Vivaha. The bride and groom belong to the same Varna. So it's said that if, if bride and groom, they have, they have different mentalities, they're from different Varnas, then it's not very auspicious and it's, it's going to be very difficult for that to be a good marriage. Groom follows the Brahmacharya, Grihastha, Vanaprast, and Sannyas ashrams according to the laws of Dharma. The groom's father approaches the girl's family and requests the bride's father for his consent to give her as a gift. Kanyadan. This is considered as the best type of marriage. The Prabhupada is saying that's the way that it's supposed to be done in Kali Yuga. <clears throat> so the next type of marriage is Daiva Vivaha. In this type of marriage, the father of the bride, after having waited long for a marriage proposal for his daughter, goes in search of a right groom and gifts his daughter to a righteous priest who officiates a yajna if the latter is willing to accept her as a wife. So he's having a hard time finding a husband. So, yes, officiating a yajna. So that's daiva vivaha. <clears throat> Arsha vivaha. In this type of marriage, the father of the bride offers his daughter to a rishi or a sage who leads an austere life. So the Arsha Vivaha is what we're discussing here in uh, the case of Kardamuni. He's a sage and he's being gifted the daughter of Svayambhuv Manu. <clears throat> Prajapatya Vivaha. Prajapatya Vivaha. In this type of marriage, the bride's father goes in search for the groom. After marriage, the bride lives with the husband through the stages of Grihastya and Vanaprast, and the husband should not take sannyas. 
Emphasis is laid on continuing the family lineage by begetting sons and daughters. So it's very similar to Brahma Vivaha, but the focus is on um, begetting many children. And the bride is supposed to stay for life with the husband. It's different. <clears throat> Gandharva Vivaha. A love marriage in which the bride and groom get married based on mutual consent without any other considerations. This is considered inferior to the above forms of marriage. So basically that's what we have in modern society, Gandharva Vivaha. Somebody's attracted to looks or talent or whatnot, personality, and they fall in love. But we see that doesn't work very well. It's, it's not a very good way to be married. <clears throat> Ashura vivaha, in this type of marriage, lack of consent from either sides is replaced by compensation with money or in the form of a dowry or gift. This type of marriage is like a business transaction. Mostly the groom is not suitable for the girl and might offer a huge sum of money as a compensation. So, sometimes in the material world, I guess you can buy love. <laughs> but it's not the supreme love. It's it's better if she likes you. <laughs> yes. Rakshasha <laughs> vivaha. Groom has the bride's consent, but not the consent of the, fa- of the girl's family. To marry a woman by abducting or by eloping against the wishes of the parent is Rakshasha vivaha. The groom may also win over the bride's family in battleground. So Rakshasha vivaha. That's how Lord Krishna kidnapped Rukmini. It was Rakshasha Vibha. Also, Arjuna kidnapped Subhadra in this way, Rakshasha Vibha. Because the Chatriya is very heroic. Uh, it speaks about the qualities of a Chatriya in Bhagavad Gita. But heroism, valor, chivalry. Right? So for them to get married by Brahma Vibha, no, that's not very impressive. For a chatriya, kidnap, kidnap the princess, kidnap the willing princess. That's uh, rakshasha vivaha. So in the case of uh, Rukmini, um, it's, it's interesting because Krishna and Rukmini had not seen one another ever, but they'd only heard of one another. So actually, in the case of when Krishna left the battlefield at Mathura, he's known as Ranchur for fleeing the battlefield. Uh, he left, at this point, the primary reason being, he had different reasons. One was to liberate Muchakunda. After liberating Muchakunda, um, he fled to Dwarka. And the primary reason was he was planning to go and kidnap uh, Rukmini. Because he had, he had been given a message from a Brahmana. The Brahmana was sent with a letter from Rukmini uh, to petition the Lord to kidnap her. Because she was supposed to be married to Shishupal. And this was arranged by the elder son of Bhishmaka. Uh, King Bhishmaka, he was the father of Rukmini and uh, Rukmi. So Rukmi, uh, being the elder son, had influence over the father and over the family. And he was arranging for his friend Shishupa to be married to Rukmini. So Rukmini uh, was in love with Krishna just by hearing about him. Just by hearing about Krishna, she, she, was, she fell in love with him. And she didn't want to get married to this Shishupa. So she sent this Brahmana messenger to give the letter to Krishna. And, and in this way, um, Krishna uh, came. He immediately came. 
It said that he traveled 1,000 miles in one night. He was so eager. When the Brahmana told, when the Brahmana told him about Rukmini's request, he said, yes, I have been thinking about her. He says, actually, due to my love for her, it's hard for me to sleep at night. So immediately he came, and, and he was received uh, by uh, King Bhishmaka and the family, because he was a respectable personality. But they were also recognizing Krishna, was, Krishna may try to kidnap Rukmini. They had that in their mind. Krishna had a reputation. Krishna was the greatest chhatri on earth at this point. So they were thinking, yes, this could happen. So they were assembling um, armies. Rukmi assembled an army, Shishupal. They had armies coming to prepare if Krishna had tried to kidnap Rukmi. So um, it's traditional that the, before marriage, the girl would worship the demigods, offer respects to the demigods, pray for a successful marriage. Okay. So, as she was exiting um, the temple of the goddess Durga, she described she was so beautiful that all the men were lusting after her. They were uh, stunned. Some of them were falling from their horses or elephants. And in this stunned state, Krishna casually walks up takes Rukmini, puts her on his chariot, and begins nonchalantly going away. No big deal for Krishna. <laughs> so everybody is stunned. And finally Rukmi says, are we going to do anything? So he, and he makes a vow, I will not come back alive unless I, I retrieve my sister. So in this way, uh, Krishna is killing all the different opposition from all sides, with, you know, with Rukmini, Rukmini by his side. And uh, finally, when all of the, the forces are defeated, Krishna is victorious, uh, he, he's prepared to kill Rukmini, but uh, Rukmini, due to her soft-hearted nature, stops him. So instead, Krishna simply uh, cuts his hair and beard in a weird way, uh, dishonoring him. Uh, and so we can see the nature of um, love and the chatriya spirit <clears throat> through this particular pastime. But that's not relevant in Kali Yuga because Kalo, Samba, um, Kalo Sujra Sambhava. <clears throat> it said that in, in this Kali Yuga, uh, everybody is a Sujra or less. So we can, uh, we can just try to take a lesson of, of trying to observe Vaishnava etiquette and learning about uh, the ornaments of a devotee, learning how to dress ourselves, right? We dress ourselves through this uh, culture. And, and, and learning the proper way to be married. Uh, most young men will get married, that's good, but recognize um, the system. Oftentimes in our society, the guru is like the father. And the guru will maybe recommend somebody for us to marry. Or, or we have some, some recommendation. There's some match created through our seniors. And in this way, we have a good chance of success. Um, but the first stage is becoming qualified like Kardamuni. 
is to become uh, a person devoted to God, being able to control our mind and senses, and uh, having direction in life, having a focus in life. Before the uh, marriage samskara comes the uh, initiation samskara, the diksha samskara. So we should uh, take spiritual initiation before thinking about getting married. Because then our life and our path is fixed up. Because if we, if we do it the opposite way, we don't have the knowledge or the shelter necessary to uh, elicit success for us. We may by chance be successful, but, but what, are the, what are the odds in Kali Yuga? So we become qualified, and then we can uh, find somebody qualified, seek guidance in that, in that way. So uh, it's extremely important. It's just like before we have children, we prepare a home, right? We have facility to take care of, to nurture, to raise them, like that. So in the same way, we have to, we have to prepare our consciousness for the responsibility of, of accepting a wife. It's really important. Okay. Grantara Shrima Bhagavatam Ki Jai. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Gaurapirmanande.